1: We're going to have a special show today, talking today about something that is true for many of our listeners. We're talking about the anxious heart. The anxious heart is the worried heart. It's often overwhelmed with a sense that life is just too big to be managed, that one is left alone without any help to deal with those unmanageable issues of life. Often, even though the rational mind would tell us that there's nothing to worry about, we continue to worry. There are various techniques that are useful to help anxious people. But today, we're going to be talking about how spirituality can help the anxious heart, regardless of religion. Spirituality offers succor and soothing to the anxious heart. So, if you suffer with an anxious heart, this show is for you. Be here for the whole show. So, okay, let's first talk about what anxiety is. Anxiety is fear. Let's just tell it like it is. We don't want. I talk to people about anxiety all the time, and. Very commonly, they say, well, I'm not afraid, I'm just anxious. <laughs> and what they're really saying is, I have, uh, I have intellectualized my fear. Um, my, my, I have this, uh, these anxiety feelings that something's wrong, that I've got to do something different, that I'm worried, that I have to take care of something that's too big for me. But really, when it comes down to it, they're really afraid of something. And what there is generally is just this generalized sense of, of lack of safety there's just a sense that things are not safe. And so the mind begins to ruminate. The mind begins to say, well, let, let me think about this over and over and over again so I can come up with a safety plan. And, of course, maybe you can't even come up with a safety man, plan, so you have to think about it again. Or if you come up with a safety plan, you got to look for loopholes to find out where the, where there could be unsafety in the mix of safety. And so you have to look at it again and again and again and again and again because you don't feel safe yet. So, so anxiety is a form of fear, and what it seeks is absolute unadulterated safety. And of course, in our in our world, there isn't anything any such thing in the world as absolute unadulterated safety. The minute you get to absolute unadulterated safety, it feels like a rut because then you want out of it. Um, or at least you you may sabotage yourself to get out of it. So, we do need uh, safety in our lives. We absolutely do need a sense of safety, and we need to have real safety. We, we are the gatekeepers for that. We are the ones who allow safety into our lives or who exclude it from our lives. We make the choices. So, so anxiety is, is, to some degree or another, within, our, within the purview of our control in that we can make decisions to make our lives safer, or we can make decisions to make our lives more chaotic, disruptive, and destructive. So, um, so you know, there, as I said, there were various techniques that are useful to help anxious people. Some people have an anxiety disorder, a generalized anxiety which disorder, which means that they worry about everything. Some people have a panic disorder, which means that they have panic attacks and they're afraid that another panic attack is going to come. Anytime they are not having one or when they are triggered to have one, they're afraid that it's going to happen. So they continuously have panic panic attacks, Um, there is agoraphobia where a person is just so panic-ridden and so afraid of everything in life that they've decided to stay indoors, locked in their homes, and not go out into the world at all. And so they've imagined that they found themselves a safe place in their little worlds. But of course, we know that most accidents happen right there at home, so that's not really a safe place either. So safety, safety is a spiritual thing. Safety is something we get a sense of. Safety is something we, we sense that we're okay. We believe that no matter what happens, we'll figure it out and we'll be okay. Those, those belief systems do not come easily to a person who's been traumatized in childhood. They don't come easily to a person whose safety was ripped out from underneath them at every turn when they were young. They don't, uh, uh, they don't come easily to a person whose who's biological nature is to worry. So, uh, so I've just mentioned three different ways that we can get to a sense of a lack of safety. Our, we can be overprotected by parents. We can uh, be underprotected by parents. And we can be traumatized in our home environment or early upbringing in several different ways, maybe multiply traumatized. Um, and we can also uh, have a biological component that's, that is, a, is uh, we just sort of genetically inherit a predisposition to be anxious. Um, so those are some of the ways we can get it, but what do we do with it? So I said, like I said, there were various techniques that are useful to help anxious people, but the, uh, and, and certainly, you know, EMDR is one for people that have been traumatized, uh, working with uh, worry and anxiety in a therapeutic setting is another. There are several different techniques that you can you can use, and you can certainly seek out therapy for that, and I would encourage that. But today, as I said, I'm going to be wearing the spiritual hat today, not so much the clinician's hat, although I do think these uh, things are applicable in a the therapeutic setting as well when spirituality is brought into the therapy room. But... Um, But I I, I want to talk about uh, the spiritual element. And like I said, regardless of religion, spirituality offers succor and soothing to the anxious heart. So, um, you know, one of the things that I encourage my anxious clients to do is seek out 10 different self-soothing skills that they can use to calm themselves down when they're anxious. And so what works for one person may not work for another. It might be dance for one person. It might be sitting in a quiet room in the dark with a candle lit for another person. It might be listening to a certain kind of music for one person. It might be listening to another kind of music for another person. And so we have to experiment with these things and see what calms us and what doesn't. And, And then I ask them to make a list of those things and put it up on the refrigerator so they can turn to them again and again to use these things to help calm themselves. And what they begin to realize by that, and this is a technique, what they begin to realize by that is that they can calm themselves down. And that's one of the biggest issues about um, about anxiety that makes it into a spiritual issue. We have to believe that we can calm ourselves down. And so, the this, this spiritual element allows us that opportunity to calm ourselves down. And so, uh, I've chosen a particular uh, uh, sacred text to use today as my uh, sort of the prop that I'm using for the show today. And it happens to come from the Christian Bible or the Jewish Tanakh. Um, It is a Psalm. It was written uh, supposedly by David, who was a shepherd uh, at one point in his life and later became a king. And both of those two ideas are referenced in this particular Psalm. And, uh, um, and so I wanted to I'm going to read you the psalm, and uh, then I'm going to talk about it's it from the context of a Buddhist's uh, uh, look at it. I'm going to talk about it from the context of what its actual root language means, and we're going to discover how spirituality can really help us to uh, to help the anxious heart to calm. So here's the psalm. I'm just going to read it out loud as it is written in the text that I use, which is the New American Standard Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that is the psalm as it is read, and I'm going to go to that very last verse first. First, because I think it just contains something so very powerful that we need to hear it. So I wanted to know what it meant to uh, to have goodness and mercy or goodness and loving kindness follow us. And so I started looking at the root language. And so this is what we found. The word that's used for mercy or loving kindness is kased, And it's been the subject of many monographs. Uh, one, G.R. Clark, concluded that Cassette is not merely an attitude or an emotion. It's an emotion that leads to an activity beneficial to the recipient. So in other words, surely goodness and mercy. When it says surely uh, goodness and cassette will follow me all the days of my life, what it really means is that the the divine, who is the shepherd here, is having an emotion that gives the recipient of that emotion uh, beneficial activity. He uh, And so Clark goes on to explain that it uh, is an, a beneficial action performed in the context of a deep and enduring commitment between two persons or parties by one who is able to render assistance to the needy party who in the circumstances is unable to help himself or herself. So uh, so it, and, and other appropriate meanings for the word cassette or mercy, loving kindness is commitment and devotion. So what this says is that the divine is devoted to our care. Now I don't know how you see the divine, whether you even see the divine. It may be a philosophy like the Buddha, like Buddhism that you see, um, but it is it is devoted. There is a devotion there in this carer, this person who this entity who cares for us. And the second thing that's so fantastic about that particular verse is that. It says, uh, "Surely goodness and mercy will follow me," and I was like, "Well, I don't want it to follow me. I want it to lead me. I want it to be around me. I want it to envelop me." And so, uh, what the but the what the word is there that she translated as "follow" is the word "radaf," Hebrew word "radaf," which actually means to pursue or to chase. So what that means is that uh, that that the divine is chasing us down with goodness and, and, and uh, kindness and loving kindness and mercy. Uh, so um, you, 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 we, we might expect our enemies to chase us. But what this says is that our goodness and faithfulness, goodness and loving kindness, goodness and mercy are going to chase us down. Even when we are running from them and we absolutely do run from them. And that's the thing that is uh, what anxiety, uh, what this verse can tell us so much about anxiety is that anxiety is a way in which we run away from the loving kindness that is already ours if we just turn and receive it. But goodness and faithfulness will chase us down anyway. Anyway. And so, you know, people talk about making a gratitude list and and, and paying attention to being grateful to, for things. And I certainly don't encourage us to uh, sort of um, ingenuously uh, uh, contrive to be grateful. Sometimes I think we're encouraged to contrive to be grateful so that we will attract those things that we want to need into our lives. So I don't think that's very helpful. But I do think that when we are honestly grateful for something, it reduces anxiety. It reduces our fears because it says to us, oh, look, this is something I already have. This is something I, that makes me feel safe. This is something that makes me feel alive or loved or, or free or accomplished. These are the things that, that uh, I have already that I can be grateful for. And what that does is put us back into the, turning around and facing the loving kindness and the, and the uh uh, mercy that is following us, that is chasing us, that's pursuing us. We turn and face it instead of running from it when we're grateful. So gratitude is a very helpful uh, thing that we can use. It's a sort of tool we can use with spirituality to help us to be less anxious. Um, so uh, it's important to to understand that this this Bible verse, this uh, Christian Bible or Jewish Tanakh, these verses in the in those texts have been retranslated many times by many different people from many different religions. And one of them that I thought was really interesting was is by this guy named Lobster or this woman named Lobster on a uh, open forum that I found. It's called Free Sangha, and Sangha is a Buddhist term for the community, the community of Buddhist monks, the community of people who come together to to learn about Buddhism. Uh, And the community has its own sort of energy, and that energy is the sangha. So here's what they say. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no ignorance, for mindfulness is present. The sitting and the sangha inspire me. The Buddha nature is present in my hindrances, and my thoughts are gone. Metta, or loving kindness, is activated. Certainty of kindness and generosity will lead my actions, and I will de- dwell in samsara for all beings. So, that's a way of translating that same exact verse into the Buddhist. So, what they're saying there is that the sitting, the meditation, and the community, the energy of the community of, of people who come together to meditate and to learn about Buddhism, those inspire him. And mindfulness is presence. It is presence itself. Mindfulness is the presence. We're going to talk more about presence as we go through this today. Uh, the Buddha nature is present in my hindrances. I love that. What they're saying there is that even when I hinder myself, the Buddha nature is still present. And that's exactly what is said here when it says, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Even though I'm running away from goodness and loving kindness, yet it will pursue me all the days of my life. And um, so, you know, that, that's a beautiful idea, that the Buddha nature is present in my hindrances. My thoughts are gone. Of course, that's, that's what one of the things that Buddhism says and, and Hinduism says as well. And some of the other sutras from other religions say it as well, that our thoughts are really separate from who we are. Our thoughts spring from who we got taught to be, whereas our our truest emotions, the truest nature of who we are comes from something far deeper, which in the Buddhist faith they call, or the Buddhist philosophy, they call the Buddha nature. Um, And in in Christian uh, religion, they call that the Christ nature. So it's a deeper self, a deeper essence of who we are. That is very deeply spiritual, very soulful, very connected to the divine in whatever way we see the divine. Um, So, you know, what we're saying here is that these verses don't just belong to the Christian faith or the Jewish faith. They belong to the world. These verses are so powerful and so um, filled with imagery regarding uh, the, the sort of negation of anxiety, the reduction of fear the elimination of doubt, that we uh, we are called back to this verse many, many times. I, I have used this verse over and over in my life. I am somewhat of an anxious heart. Uh, I experienced several traumas as a child, and, and so sometimes when, uh, not all the time, but sometimes in my life I go through periods where anxiety seems to raise its head and be more powerful than other times in my life. And And so when I go through times like that, this, this powerful um, psalm is very, very helpful to me, and I hope it can be helpful to you as well as we're going through it today, because we're going to look at some of the root language and discover a deeper meaning to some of these things that we've, we've said. One of the most important things that is said here is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We're going to talk about what is meant by the words, the Lord, and the words, my shepherd, but right now. What I want you to sit with while we take the break is, I shall not want. I shall not lack. I shall not do without. I shall have whatever the Lord provides because the Lord is my shepherd. Let's let's just ponder that for a few minutes while we take a break. We'll be back in just a minute with some more about the anxious heart.
0: your world motivate change succeed voice don't you just wish sometimes that life could come with a do-over button we'd probably use it a lot more than we think what if there was one do-over button you could use each week make that place the voice america empowerment channel for code to grace the empowered women's guide to life with host marilyn Mosier. Marilyn and her guests will help you find the key to break free from the chains of your life and start anew. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment.
2: If you are looking for your own personal journey of peace and balance while living and thriving in our sophisticated world, tune into A Voice of Reason with Kathy Horton and Sherry Petro-Serdell. The show is one part spirituality and one part psychology. We have so many opportunities for growth in the challenging times we face today. On this program, we discover the resources and scientific breakthroughs to master the challenges and find success. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141 1-888-346-9141 That's one 346 9141 You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: And we're back talking today about the anxious heart and how we might heal that heart with some spiritual understanding. Um, And what we've decided to use today is the 23rd Psalm from the Christian Bible and the Jewish Tanakh, but it's also been retranslated into some Buddhist thought, and uh, uh, we're going to go forward and learn some more about some Buddhist thought. We're also going to learn about some some of the root language in the actual text that says something a little different than what we've been taught to believe it says. So... um, Ron Roth uh, wrote several different books, and he had a bestseller called the, the Healing Path of Prayer, and he wrote this text about a Zen master. He said the Zen master Rinzai, who lived in China in the ninth century, would hold up a finger to his students and ask, what in this moment is lacking? Perhaps his greatest interpreter, the 18th century Japanese Zen master Hakuen, wrote, at this moment, what more need we seek? He also wrote, I say to you, there's no Buddha, no Dharma, nothing to practice, nothing to prove. Just what are you seeking thus in the highways and byways? Blind men, you're putting a head on top of the one you already have. What do you yourself lack? As this fiery Zen genius implied, we're absolutely absorbed, obsessed even, with what's missing from our lives. It might be money, a place to live the perfect partner, a fantastic physique, or a secure future. Ask yourself what you think you're lacking right now. Is it health, prosperity, the right career? If you're praying authentically and living in the moment, you're not lacking anything. But if you feel that you're lacking, you're probably either living in the past or projecting into the future. By worrying about what isn't happening in the present moment, you declare your lack of confidence that the divine is leading you exactly where you need to go. Whether you attribute such guidance to God, Atman, Buddha, nature, the universe, the divine within, or simply being, once you surrender to its power, you'll know for certain that you have nothing to fear, now or ever. So that surrender to its power is what this this, uh, psalm is all about. Uh, and again, whether you attribute your, your, the divine nature to God, Atman, Buddha, nature, the universe, the divine within, or simply to being, once you surrender to that power, you will know for certain that you have nothing to fear now or ever. So, what, what, what fear, what that impl- intimates is that fear is sli- at least to some degree made up of that feeling that we lack something. And for most of us, fear means we lack the strength, the intelligence, the power, the ability to pass through something frightening, um, and so we, uh, you know, we we're we're afraid. And instead, what we could be thinking is, "I lack nothing in this moment. This moment already contains everything I need to get through this moment." And that thought is very soothing and very calming. So the idea of lacking nothing is not just all about the law of attraction as some people think it is. Some people say it's just, it's that, that's, what the law, that's what the verse is saying, that, that we already, already have everything we need you know, financially and materially, so therefore you know, we can totally believe that we will attract what we need in a given moment. Um, and I don't disagree with that, but that's not all that's being said here. What's also being said here is there's nothing to fear. Because I lack nothing. And so, okay, so the Lord is my shepherd is what it says. The very first verse says, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, who is the Lord? Now, that's different for different people. Again, whether you whether you believe it's God, Adman, Buddha, nature, the universe, the divine within, or simply being, you have some idea of some kind of divine entity. And if you don't, you have some notion about what is um, spiritual and what isn't. I mean, some of some of the people, very intelligent and atheistic people that I know also have very deeply spiritual lives. So it doesn't have to imply that you can't have spirituality just because you don't picture some divine entity in your head when you when you work with your spiritual self. So the Lord can be translated in different ways. But one of the things that uh, Charles Fillmore said was that every time we see the word the Lord in the Old Testament, we should translate it as I am. So what he says is that we all are already the same as God. We are constituent parts of the divine. And therefore, when, when the divine is active, we are also active. And when, when we're active, the divine is also active. So the Lord, the I am that I am, is my shepherd. What's a shepherd? A shepherd is somebody who, who takes care of, guides, um, feeds, pastures, and, and uh, cares for, deeply cares for his sheep. Uh, I don't know how many sheep were in a, a particular flock, but uh, or that D- the David, supposed author of this uh, psalm, had. But my imagination tells me he treated them all like personal pets, that they were very special to him, each one of them, and that perhaps he even had a name for each one of them, and that they they all knew when he was calling, and they would, you know, come to his call where they might not to somebody else's. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So the green pastures were the lush pastures. That's another way of translating that word green is it's a lush pasture. Um, And uh, so that's, I don't know, lush with vegetation that they could eat, lush with greenness that they could lie down in. Um, But they were, it it, it means that it's um, abundant and it's It's free. It's, he, he takes us there. We don't have to take ourselves there. It's given to us. And then he leads me beside the quiet waters. In some texts that reads, he leads me beside still waters. I've heard some people say that sheep won't drink out of rolling water. Um, and maybe that's true. But uh, the quiet waters indicates that there's a reflection possible it indicates that there, is, uh, that there is a quietness, a stillness, a, a reception that's possible. Um, so not only are the sheep being taken care of in terms of their food, their physical needs and their need for water, but they're also being taken care of in the sense that they get to quietly reflect on life, that they get to be so well fed that they can um, be secure in that area and then pursue other areas. And that is followed, and they can pursue these other areas, uh, as is seen in this verse, because it's followed by the words, He restores my soul. And, uh, you know, that's the title of one of my books. The first book that I wrote is called uh, Restoring My Soul, and it's a workbook for finding and living the authentic self. So uh, I think of the soul as the authentic self, that deepest part of us that is the I am that I am, the divine self. It is the deepest part of us that tells us about our meaning in life. It tells us where our passions are and our compassions are. It tells us who we are at the deepest, most essential level of our being. And sometimes we can lose touch with that, especially when we're counting on the world or uh, to to take care of us. Uh, and we we all want that to some degree or another. We all want the world to take care of us. We want it to uh, feed us and clothe us and and um, provide us with a sense of safety and give us enough money and, and give us relationships and people who love us and want to reach out and take care of us. That, those are things that we all want to some degree or another. But the world doesn't often offer that without a high cost. And so what this says is that the spiritual nature, the I am that I am, the Lord restores my soul. It restores me to my soul. It restores my awareness of my soul. It restores any woundedness that's keeping me from my soul. Uh, and so that that is uh, a very very interesting uh, possibility there. So that we're not only are we being taken care of physically and materially, but we're being taken care of at the deepest levels of our being. So that we're you know that that there's nothing nothing zero to lack there. There's nothing that we could want, because it's being restored already to our souls. So that thought is uh, extremely anxiety-reducing, and it can and just you know meditating on that idea that our souls are constantly being restored is uh, is a definitely a way to deal with anxiety. He guides me in the path of righteousness for His say, namesake. Now a lot of people think that that righteousness is. Uh, the same kind of righteousness as goodness, as um, doing good deeds and um, being a good person, and um, you know, uh, not doing anything bad. But righteousness, uh, as we, as you've heard me talk about it in the New Testament, is the word. Uh, it has to do with uh, only Christ truly, which means the the Christ nature within us. The deepest nature. Uh, one of the things that is said over and over again in some of the prophecies of the Old Testament, the Jewish Tanakh, is that we are uh, that uh, um, you know there is a time coming when the the right right righteousness will be written on our hearts, and we'll know what to do because it's coming from our hearts. It won't be coming from some law in some book somewhere. It will be coming from our hearts. And so that's what this is. This is guiding us in that path, the path of the heart, the heart that isn't anxious but knows the right direction. It intuits, it understands, it can direct itself because it's been guided by the divine. And then that for his namesake sounds like to many people, it sounds like it means uh, I'm going to be good because God needs me to be good so he'll look good. Uh, and that you know that that's a lot of uh, thinking that goes on when we when we think about righteousness. We think that we have to make God look good, uh, and I don't think God needs us to make Him look good. Him, He, She, It, whatever God is, I don't think it needs us to make it look good. Uh, but I do think that, uh, and and there's indication of this in the in the root language that perhaps uh, what it's saying is that the shepherd needs a good name in terms of. Uh, His his ability to lead. The sheep have to trust him and the people who hire him have to trust him. So it's about trust. So he guides us in the paths of righteousness because we trust him, because we know his name, because we know who he is, because we know him at the deepest levels and he knows us at the deepest levels. So this shepherd, this, this Lord, this I am, this beingness, this Atman, this Buddha, this whoever it is for you is is uh, le- giving us a pathway to walk, and what we need to know is we're being guided on that pathway. And uh, if we can just be present enough to say, "Okay, which way?" You know, uh, I remember stories uh, that I've heard about you know carrying an instrument along the way of your path and asking it fairly frequently. Okay, which way now? Okay, which way now? Okay, which way now? Okay, which way now? Well, I do that regularly with my, my uh, connection to the divine as I see it. And, and that it really does make me believe that I am being guided in the paths that I need to take in my life and that, that I am being taken care of and that I can trust it because it, it's all about the name of the shepherd, which is the I am that I am. Um, and so trusting is, is a big deal. It's hard for the anxious heart to trust. The anxious heart does not trust. That's why it's anxious, because it doesn't trust. And if we look at it that way, then we can begin to go, oh, okay, well, if I can, you know, uh, really understand that the Lord is my shepherd and that I shall not want, and that I do lie down in green pastures and beside still waters, and that I, and my soul is being restored, then I can trust that I'm also being guided. I'm being guided because I'm being led by the shepherd who is my caretaker. I sometimes will actually change this to the Lord is my caregiver instead of the shepherd. Because for me, that that implies that I'm being completely taken care of. The Lord is my mother. The Lord is my father. The Lord is my parent. The Lord is the one who really wants to take care of every little detail of my life. When we think about being in the womb where every everything that we need is being taken care of already by the mother. Hopefully the mother's being good about her diet and not worrying too much and those kinds of things. But if she is, everything is being taken care of. And so I think about this as that being sort of in the womb of the Lord, so that we're, we're being completely taken care of by the divine as we see the divine. And uh, so, therefore, we shall not want. Therefore, we lie down in green pastures. Therefore, we lie down beside quiet waters. Therefore, the soul is restored to its fullest nature. The soul can come forward and be present and be live in the life. The, the soul can walk into the world and be present in the world instead of hiding from the world because the world might hurt it. Um, and so, those are the ways that we can uh, be guided in the paths of righteousness. So uh, the the next thing says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Typically, we have translated the shadow of uh, the valley, of the shadow of death, to mean um, the shadow of death that we think of about death as a shadow. But the word that's used there, talmalvet, is the Hebrew word. Um, uh, and uh, is, it can be used in a vocalized form, which means we say it out loud, and then it would be "tāma." Ta- and and we understand it as an abstract noun, which means darkness. It doesn't mean the shadow of death; it means darkness. And an examination of the word's uses favors that derivation, especially in this particular text. So it's frequently associated with the darkness of night, contrasted with the light of the morning. I think of it as the dark night of the soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the dark night of the soul, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Why? For thou art with me. And that's a very important text to remember. The Lord is my shepherd, is why I shall not want, is why I lie down in green pastures, is why I lie beside quiet waters, is why my soul is restored, is why I'm being guided. The Lord is my shepherd, is why. And so the presence of the divine in our lives is what, what is our salvation in these times when we're afraid, in these times of darkness. Um, so uh, if the word does indeed mean darkness, it modifies the idea of the valley of the divine, which is the word gay. And uh, so at the metaphorical level, it pictures the shepherd taking his sheep through a dark ravine where predators might lurk. The life-threatening situations faced by the psalmist are the underlying reality behind this imagery. So, the, so uh, you know, what we see here is this shepherd picking up one of his sheep and carrying it through this dark ravine where there might be wolves and snakes and other things that might hurt it. And the Hebrew word ra, which is traditionally translated evil here, it, it, it's generally seen to be a moral or ethical nuance. But at the level of the metaphor, the word means danger, injury, or harm, as a sheep might experience from a predator. The life-threatening dangers faced by the psalmist, especially the enemies mentioned in a few verses down, are the underlying reality. So, So what he's saying here is, I will keep you safe. I will keep you safe, even in the dark night of the soul. Even when it seems like there's nobody out there that can keep you, I am here keeping you. That I am, that beingness, that Atman, that Buddha, that divine nature, that whatever, however you see the divine, uh, that God, that Jesus. Maybe it's Jesus for you. Maybe it's Buddha for somebody else. But it is it is that that guides us in the path of righteousness and keeps us safe even when we dark, walk through the darkest times of our lives. We are kept we're kept safe. You know that old uh, uh, thing that we've seen where the footprints sign that says, "I." That you know, when you saw one set of footprints, that was when I was carrying you? Well, that's kind of what it's saying here. We're being carried by the divine through these dark times. And we don't have to be afraid. We can trust that we're being carried. And if we can look at it that way, we get through these dark times in a deeper, stronger sense of self in a sense of uh, presence with the divine. So we're going to talk about more about this, the anxious heart, and how to soothe it with spirituality right after the break. Stay tuned for more.
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
2: If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, you're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time 10 a.m pacific on voice america empowerment are you ready to tackle the rules of business you may think you're doing everything by the book following your own best practice beliefs bringing in endless consultants only to find that your business is not moving forward that's where you need to stop and figure out where things are going wrong enter business rules with host peter feinstein Peter and his guests will break it all down for you to help you and your business succeed. Listen Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment.
0: It's time to transform your life. Start by tuning in to The Glenise Show with Glenise Hughes. Glenise combines business, relationships, wealth, life, and a whole lot of magic to create abundance and prosperity in every part of your life. It's all done through straight and often frank discussions in the best way that Glenise knows how. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Master your life with The Glenise Show. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living. With Andrea Matthews, we want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: We're back talking today about the anxious heart. And we said at the beginning that the anxious heart is a worried heart. It's a heart that maybe was traumatized when when young. It's a heart that uh, worries and uh, ruminates quite a bit trying to figure out life and trying to figure out a way to get safety. Um, It's a heart that does not trust that things will be okay. Um, Many times that happens because a person feels that they're on their own to figure life out. And uh, they've learned that from childhood forward they've learned that they've been on their own they have to figure it out on their own and so they're anxious and they they over analyze and they over strategize and they overthink and they're always looking for the they're, they they're always looking for the what could go wrong so they can figure it out in advance and so they'll be safe and so that that's an attitude of lack of trust and it's lack of trust because nobody taught them to trust when they were growing up so this is not does not mean that people that are anxious are bad people because they're not trusting. It means that they nobody taught them to trust. And this by, this verse from the uh, Jewish Tanakh, and which is later incorporated into the Christian Bible, is a powerful verse that can teach us to trust and a powerful text that can teach us to trust. And uh, so uh, what we've said thus far is that when we think of the Lord... Whether that's the I am that I am, the beingness, the atman, the Buddha, God, Jesus, uh, or 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 just a uh, uh, you know a sense of of a higher being of some sort, w- or just spirituality itself, whatever that is, it's my shepherd. It's what takes care of me. It feeds me. It brings me to safe places. It makes sure that I'm safe in an, even in dark times. It makes me lie down in green pastures. It leads me beside quiet waters. It restores the very deepest essence of who I am as a soul. It guides me constantly in the paths uh, uh, the right way, the direction that is trying to get me to the right way. Uh, and by right, I don't mean righteous. I just mean the one that's not wrong. <laughs> the one that's not uh, a path that would take us to further danger. Uh, and... Uh, even though we walk through the darkest times of our lives, yet we need not fear danger, for the divine is with us. That presence is so important and so powerful that uh, that they are seen in the next verse, which says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so, you know, the rod and the staff, that's the 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 shepherd uses that staff that with a crook on one end and a long stick on the other end and to guide the sheep along the way that he will sort of, you know, um, take the stick and sort of pat the side of the sheep at the pat if the sheep is headed off in the wrong direction. Or if the sheep gets dropped into a ravine he'll take that staff and, and, and take the crook of the of the staff and grab the sheep by the neck and pull him back up out of the ravine. So what that means is that these this staff is meant to guide and to save. Um, but very often it is translated by those who believe more in the law than in grace to mean that the, that God is trying to punish us. And his punishment and his discipline are trying to get us to get on the right path. And that's why they comfort us. Well, I'm sorry, but I can't see that as comforting. <laughs> punishment does not comfort. And, and you know, pushing me around and shoving me around, that doesn't comfort me either. But when I think of the rod and the staff as guiding me and saving me, that's comforting. And uh, so, actually, the word used, uh, a nakham, is used here, and it means uh, uh, to comfort or console. But here... Within the metaphorical framework, it refers to the way in which the shepherd uses his implements, his rod and staff, to assure the sheep of his presence and calm their nerves. The underlying reality is the emotional stability God provides to the psalmist during a life-threatening situation. So, for a person who's got an anxious heart, all of life is a threatening situation. Everything is threatening to some degree or another. And so the person has to always be hypervigilant, has to always be watching out, looking out for the, you know, something bad to happen so they can protect themselves from the bad thing that's about to happen because it's always about to happen. And so, uh, so what this rod and the staff does is, is they, it allows us to stop having to be hypervigilant. It allows us to, to, to say, okay, the shepherd has got this. I'm going to be guided. I'm going to be taken care of. I don't have to figure it all out in advance. I don't have to constantly watch, be paranoid, duck, worry, strategize. I don't have to do all that anymore. I can just trust that the rod and the staff are going to be there to take care of me, to guide me, and to save me, even when I do something so stupid that I walk off into a ravine somewhere. You know? So, uh, you know, the sheep are not the brightest animals in the world. And so <laughs> neither are we. And so, you know, they, w- what's happening there is that even though I might do something that would get me in trouble, the staff is there to save me, to take care of me. And so the rod and the staff, they comfort. They don't abuse. They don't punish. They don't discipline. They comfort. They console. They, uh, they save. They guide. They guide. So that the, uh, what this is basically saying here is that um, that we have that available to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nonstop. That it's always there. That there's nothing that we need fear because the presence of the divine is enough. The presence of the divine is enough by itself to take care of everything. I'm going to say that one more time. The presence of the divine however we see the divine, is enough to take care of it. Period. Period. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's enough. So that thought is very comforting. For the anxious heart, there's that mental thing going on, but yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, I gotta, yeah, but I'm gonna have to, yeah, but look at this. The, the anxious heart wants to look at the negative, the harsh, the, the, the difficult realities, the suffering in the world. And there is a lot of suffering in the world, but you know what? There's also a lot of happiness and love and loving kindness and mercy in this world. So I don't know which one is which. Well, I mean, which one grades higher than the other, but I know that there's a lot of loving kindness and, love and mercy and gentleness and, and faithfulness and honesty and integrity and, and people reaching out to other people in this world in ways that are profound that we don't hear about every day on the news. But we might see it in our lives if we can open our minds to that possibility. The anxious heart says, "No, that's not really out there, so I'm going to have to take care of myself." The car, the heart that is comforted says, "Thy rod and thy staff are enough. That's enough." But that's not even all. the The metaphor shifts here from being a sheep and a shepherd to be to to uh, sort of entering some kind of uh, of um, royalty so uh, it says thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies now think about that that's a big feast now I don't know that sheep have a big feast other than a lush pasture or quiet waters I don't know that they have a big feast but uh, if we change the metaphor to uh, some kind of royalty what's happening is that there's enemies all around and yet, there's a feast right before us. So, you know, even though King David had many enemies, yet the feast was already prepared. Already prepared. It has been prepared already. And, it's, and, and even in the presence of our enemies, even while the enemies are standing right there, the presence of God is bigger. There's a table already spread before us. We just have to look at it and, and, and go to it and eat from it and t- partake of it. Uh, but we don't. We look at the enemies. We look at the enemies and we stare at the enemies and we try to posture ourselves about the enemies and we try to think of what we're going to say to the enemy if the enemy does something bad to us. And we, we, we got it all figured out. You know, We're trying to figure it all out constantly, constantly, constantly. Then it says, Thou hast anointed my head with oil. Now there's two metaphors there. The anointing of oil can be done for a king. So they anoint the head of the king with oil, and that means he's being announced as the king. He's being blessed by God as the king. Um, and that's interesting analogy because um, David became king after he was a shepherd. Uh, but on the other hand, it's also something that the shepherd does with his sheep at night. If the sheep have been wounded, He might take some balming oil and put it on those wounds on his head. Um, So, uh, you know, it can be used in both senses. But either way, what it means is God has this. The divine has got this already. It's already taken care of. We're being anointed to take care of the things we need to take care of because the presence of the divine is with us. And then it says my cup overflows. The word overflows is not really found there. It really means my cup is completely full. It's not overflowing, but it is full. And that means now. That's present tense. It's not past tense. It's not future tense. It's present tense. My cup overflows right now. So what that means is is that in every minute of every day, I can count on the fact that my cup is completely full. I don't have to worry about it being empty. There is no lack. Now, that is not just referring to my financial and my material needs, although those are being taken care of as well. The anxious person says, what I have isn't enough. It's not enough to keep me safe. It's not enough to keep me from ever worrying about money. It's not enough. It's not enough. But the, but the, uh, the heart that begins to learn how to trust says, my cup is already full. My, the, my, the table is already prepared, and my cup is already full. Right. So so there what is there to what is their lack that that question that was asked by the Buddhist monk that we read a little while ago? What is where is the lack? What are you looking for that you don't already have? We already have it all. But, you know, the anxious mind says, yeah, but um, yeah, but that's not good enough because I have to be sure that I'm not going to get the X, Y and Z happen to me or I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to run into those enemies or, you know, whatever. Uh, we have to, we think we have to be sure of the future, but the future is already prepared for us. There's a table prepared before us in the presence of our enemies, and our cup is already full. That's a spiritual answer to any kind of anxiety. And so, you know, we can turn to this verse again and again, and I would strongly encourage that to return to this, this, this text of the uh, Jewish Tanakh in the Christian Bible, or into its other interpretations, if you can find it in other, and and, uh, that has been translated or rearranged by Buddhist monks uh, or others, we can go to it and use it to calm our anxiety, to get with the truth that if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And goodness and mercy are going to chase me down. And not only that, But after I die, I'm going to be living in in the place with the Lord forever. I'm going to be with the divine forever. I'm going to be folded into the mystery of the divine and live there forever. Pretty cool stuff, huh? That's one of the cures for anxiety. Spirituality can be a deep and soothing sucker and cure for the anxiety. I encourage you to use it. Okay, well, that's what we've got for today. We're going to be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.
0: Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.